Welcome to the 16th Man Podcast. Vasu, what are we? The brownest basketball podcast in town. In town, okay. Is that good? Okay. Interesting wrinkle you're throwing in. Yeah. Even though we're... I don't really know. I wasn't sure how I was going to do it because you kind of threw me in for a loop. I, I wasn't sure I was the one saying it this time, so... Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted <laughs> to see if you would get it because we tried it once like a year ago yeah. and it didn't work well. <laughs> yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. I yeah. completely butchered it. Yeah, so I wanted okay. to see if you'd get it. It was pretty good, even though we're not in the same town. We will be in a week, yeah. okay. a little a little over a week, and then yeah, a little over a week. it'll be easier to upload these pods, hopefully. But mm-hmm. you guys don't care about that. You care about the NBA, and specifically, we got a lot to talk about because James Harden has been traded. Announced yesterday he was in a four-team deal where he was sent from Houston to Brooklyn and mm-hmm. there's a lot of parts that go into this trade. So let's let's start with the easiest one. So Harden goes to Brooklyn. Essentially four four picks and four pick swaps go to Houston. And a bunch of other role players. You got Jared Allen being traded, you have Karis LeVert being traded. There's a lot of teams involved. Victor Oladipo gets traded. But that's the essence. The essence is that it's eight picks, not eight picks, sorry, four picks, four pick swaps, and a few role players. Vasu, what do you think about this trade? We're going to look at it from Houston's side first. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's it's just, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, like the, it's a big deal. Like, that's all it is. Like, you, you remember finding out about this trade. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to have a big impact on the playoffs and who wins the championship for sure. Um, so that that's just off the bat. It's one of those like, holy crap type moments. Yeah. Um, so after I settled down a little bit, I was like, I can't believe Harden's on the nets with KD and Kyrie and all that. My, my first thoughts were actually not like I, I wasn't too Im- impressed by it and I, I i had sort of thought about this trade before it went down and i think we might have talked about it on the pod before too are you when talking it was about like from like houston that, side you're not that impressed uh, no from from brooklyn side okay um because i think we had talked about it a little bit before um the season started when harden was saying he wanted out of houston mm-hmm. and his top destination was brooklyn and we already knew katie and Kyrie were in brooklyn so it it, it kind of just came back to mind. I was like, hold on a minute. They just traded uh, a, a lot of depth. So they have, granted, one of the best starting fives on paper in the league. Probably the best, most talented at least, starting five on paper in the league. James Harden, uh, arguably the best scorer in basketball. Kevin Durant, arguably the best scorer in basketball. And Kyrie Irving, also arguably one of the best, like, maybe not pure score, like one-on-one players in general mm-hmm. in basketball, best hand. Like we've got just three insanely talented one-on-one players on the same team. But uh, like you mentioned, Jared Allen's gone. Okay, that was big interior big rim piece. protection. Yeah. Big, big piece. Uh, that's gone. Uh, Karis LeVert, very good defender, also uh, a very good player. I'm not really worried about the offense. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry about Lavert's offense, offensive production being replaced. But you got rid of Lavert, good wing defender, and you got rid of Jared Allen, uh, good rim protector. So you lost two valuable pieces. Harden's not really known for his um, perimeter defense. Kyrie isn't either. Kyrie's probably not seen as, like, bad the way Harden is, but neither no, but of them Kyrie's, are good. I mean, Kyrie's worse at this point. Like, Harden's probably an average defender by now. But Kyrie oh, just okay. doesn't yeah. really play defense. I, like, I, the few times I watched the, Net, the Nets play this season with Kyrie, that is, I, I, I did find myself thinking on a lot of defensive possessions for them. Like, like what is he doing? Mm-hmm. He would just let guys go right by him. Yeah, it's a... I think it's a very common superstar point guard thing to do at this yeah. point, but um, it is what it is. 
But but it, my point being, it looks like they don't really have any depth. It doesn't look like they have good defense, at least not in their starting lineup. I think they got rid of Prince too, yeah, I believe, Italian who's Prince also Rodion Krukus. Okay, I don't know much about Rodion Krukus if I pronounce that right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him play a little bit. Don't know much about his game, he's, so I won't. He's a role player. It's not. He's not that relevant. Right, but uh, Torion Prince, another solid defender. So, like, uh, basically, it serves the same point. Subtracted a lot of depth, a lot of defense. You didn't get. You did get very, very, uh, like potent on offense. Like you have the capability to go off for like 150 any given night. Mm-hmm. Uh, like literally 150. That that's not even exaggerating. And like any one of these players could, you know, 50 piece any given night. This is not. Uh, something that I'm taking lightly or saying like, you, you know, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to come across like I'm not taking that part of it seriously, but I, I just have serious questions with the lack of depth and defense. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think you brought up rim protection and that's going to be very key because Kevin Durant might be responsible for playing like the four or five a lot in the playoffs, which the th- it's a two-edged sword. One, uh, Durant's, he's not really strong enough to play down low, but also no five is able to guard him outside. I mean, other yeah. than, like, Giannis, who could play the five, like, no one can really guard him that far out. And maybe, like, Bam. You think a- Anthony Davis yeah. maybe could? Anthony Davis could, probably, too. But the point is... It's Which a- is relevant, actually, because it is. If, if you're thinking Nets-Lakers, but yeah. It is, but DeAndre Jordan's not a viable starting five, especially for a championship-winning yeah. team. It seems like a three-man team with, like, two other pieces, and that's it. It's Kyrie, KD, and Harden at the center. And then outside of that, it's, like, Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie. And those two guys, part of the problem is they fit roles that are already filled with the three players I mentioned, like, is is Dinwiddie even playing this year? Isn't he injured? Uh, he's injured. Oh, right. He tore his ACL. I forgot. That yeah, was like so preseason. It's, so it's just Joe Harris at this point. And, well, yeah. there's guys like, okay, Landry Shamit's valuable. He'll play in the playoffs. But, mm-hmm. like, Jeff Green. I mean, Bruce Brown's, like, he's solid. Uh, Cabarro, he's okay. Like, there's there's not a lot of guys. It's it's going to be interesting yeah, what they do. Nothing special. By the yeah. trade deadline. Because that's when I, I assume they're going to go after one of these these bigs in, like, say, for, like, Cleveland or for uh, Detroit or one, one of these teams where they might be willing to shop uh, a guy that's on the last year of his deal. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it doesn't seem to be that there's such a big market for guys like that out there. Like, Cleveland has a couple – bigs in excess I think right now after that trade deadline but even with that I, I don't know that they're the ones that get um the big that they're looking for uh if you know other teams are willing to cooperate they mm-hmm. don't have that much to offer that's also a problem at this point yeah they got they got rid of four first rounders already they got so they packages right now would look they, like getting rid of some more depth and draft picks. It would like, be like second round picks, though. It, you can't trade any pick in the next eight years, so that that's, that's absurd. Yeah, unless yeah. unless they have more. I haven't looked at their draft capital, but they've they traded eight picks, and that essentially mm-hmm. means because they the pick swaps are done, so that um, I forget the rule that was made, but it was basically the mo- the rule that was made after Brooklyn traded a bunch of picks to Boston. You know the KG. Paul Pierce right, trade right. that managed you Jalen Brown. Yeah. Uh, that mm-hmm. trade was a result of, I mean, sorry, that rule was a result of that trade, and now you can't trade back to back picks um, like in two straight oh, years. Oh, okay. I forget what the rule is. I should know this. I play a lot of 2K, and it comes up all the time when I try to trade back to back picks. But that's interesting. The, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's the overarching rule. Um, and the point of all of this is that. It's going to be hard to find players, and you're going to need probably like three more guys to fit on this team. The buyout market's going to be interesting, but even then, we mm. we don't know how available guys are going to be this year. Yeah, and and if you think about you know guys 
uh, free agents that really aren't on teams right now. Only two names really come to mind at all, Jamal Crawford and Isaiah Thomas, and neither one of them are, are what you need for, for the Nets. I, I don't know if there's others, but but definitely can't think of a guy that would fill. I don't even think Jamal Crawford's right viable, though, anymore. Uh, it, right, right. Like, uh, it's it's tough to say if he is, but even if you're thinking like Jamal Crawford from maybe like three or four years ago, is that something they they need or want? I mean, maybe it helps with depth, but it's not addressing either of those weaknesses on the defensive end we talked about. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, same thing. And same thing. It's like you're just adding more scoring and less defense. Yeah. Which they don't need that. I want to talk about the yeah. fit of this team before we go back and talk about Houston because I, we've exchanged texts um, over the last two days and chemistry is going to be so, so interesting because these three players are all ISO players. Kevin Durant's probably the most off-ball friendly player on this mm-hmm. on in this trio, but Kyrie likes to handle the ball. He likes to kind of stand in the corner otherwise, and Harden... Harden's like the most extreme. Same version. thing, <laughs> yeah. Same thing on steroids. Exactly. Yeah. So how? Yeah, uh, I. Go ahead. So how is like, how is this gonna work? Because I know some people are just. I talked to one of my friends who's a Rockets fan and a big James Harden fan, and he said, "It's James Harden. You're getting an All NBA First Team level player. It'll work." But chemistry still matters, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, like, look, they're they're gonna beat m- most teams in the league, uh, or m- maybe not most, but they're gonna beat like a lot of teams in the league just based off of of talent. That's the like that part of it. I definitely understand because there's just no way that they can't f- uh, like most nights they're gonna be able to just create offense at a pretty high above league average rate that it won't really matter that much about their defensive weaknesses because they'll just be crazy on offense, so they, don't, they won't need to be that good. But there will be teams, like the Lakers, for example, that could punish them inside. They'll, mm-hmm. Like, there will be teams that have guys that are capable of, of matching their offensive output on, on certain nights. And because uh, also if they have good defenders, I think the Celtics actually come to mind right now because they've got great perimeter defenders all around and Tatum and Brown this season especially are showing that they can both put the ball in the bucket. Now I'm not saying the Celtics are going to definitely beat the Nets or anything, but you run into problems if you've just got one guy uh, trying to do all the work and you don't have like a fluid system like say uh, KD on Golden State or even Golden State before that is probably the better example. But it's not like a well-oiled machine. Like, no matter how uh, good this team is going to be, they're not going to be good by playing that style of basketball. That's just not what makes Harden great. That's not what makes Kyrie great. Um, So if they're going to get the best out of those guys, I don't think it comes from them playing like that, which is such a weird, weird concept, because then you're kind of... There's no middle ground. There's no... Or, or we'll have to see if there's a middle ground, rather, if if one of them is willing to sacrifice for the other and, you know, they're willing to make it like a free-flowing offense. Yeah, I see this going two ways, and I don't think the free-flowing offense is one of them because yeah. it worked with the Warriors at times, especially in 2017. It worked basically throughout the year where guys shared the ball. Kevin Durant got his buckets. Steph got his in. Clay was consistent with his 22 a game, and it mm-hmm. worked. It was an everyone-eats sort of mentality. But then in 2018 and 2019, it didn't work as well, and it became a lot more Kevin Durant-heavy ISO, which is a bit ironic considering that KD's probably the best, as I said, the best off-ball player among these three. So I I think this can go in one of two ways, and that is uh, it's similar to what the Thunder were doing in 2015-16, which was they let Russ kind of control the game, run point, do a lot of the stuff that Russ wants to do. And it was basically an offense revolved around him because they had a lot of guys that could cut to the rim and these really interesting bigs with Stephen Adams and Serge Ibaka. And then Kevin Durant kind of filled in the gaps. He got his ISO touches, and he also got his catch-and-shoot jumpers. That That's one of the ways where essentially Harden takes over that Westbrook role and Kevin Durant's still just Kevin Durant. 
the other one is that basically everyone just shares touches like it's you get this possession Kyrie gets the next one KD gets the next one and then we just cycle through that I think that that style of play will not work well in the playoffs because mm-hmm. you get you saw this with the Celtics when Kyrie would just kind of ISO and everyone was standing it doesn't give you an involved team and I, I know there aren't a lot of great players aside from those three on this team but you need you need guys being active you need guys being involved it's why the Miami Heat have worked so well Mm -hmm. I want to see how Kyrie really adapts with this situation because we know he he didn't want to be third fiddle and he kind of is now and he doesn't think so though that that's that's one thing to that I think that we should make note of i i really really doubt Kyrie thinks he's third fiddle because yeah. we were wondering like if he even knows if he's uh one one b or number two or whatever it is to kd's number one um and like it's definitely possible he thought he was on that same level mm-hmm. based on you know the way he interacts with media and talks and all that um and he might still be thinking the same thing <laughs> which might be a problem yeah, I just I want to see because Kyrie hasn't really played a ton this year. I know he's been sitting out mm-hmm. as like I, he said for personal reasons. We don't really know. Um, well, there was the the video of him. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely not obeying NBA protocols, the safety protocols. But whatever, different topic. Yeah, um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the Kyrie conversation because it goes beyond basketball. Like the basketball fit is. It's shaky, but then you have the personality fit because James Harden and Chris Paul really clashed. We knew that. And Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving's a more eccentric personality than that. And Kevin Durant has built up this sort of, I don't want to say anger, but like this sort of visceral reaction to how he's viewed. And yeah. I wonder if these guys can sort of bond off of that experience because they all have these experiences as being like the the forgotten hated on yeah hated on superstar or is it just going to be too much right i i guess we we don't know the answer to be honest like i've i'm like look i'm i'm biased against the situation there's just like i can't deny that i i just gotta say that before Mm -hmm. i give my my take because I really don't like KD that much. Kyrie, I like I I hate him yeah. as an NBA, like like as a fan, as a player, not a person. Um, and then um, like Harden, I'm like I, I like at times I like him, but most of the time he just bothers me because he doesn't play defense and holds the ball for 16 seconds every time he gets it. Mm-hmm. So, um, like like I'm not rooting for them either, but but like as unbiased as I can be, I like even just trying to fit their play styles together in my head, I don't really see it happening for all those same reasons that you said. I think it's probably going to be um, it, it, like not the free-flowing v- version that we were talking about, like it was KD's first year in Golden State or anything. It'll be a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of ISO and the sharing of that ISO will be tough. We'll have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, uh, I'm interested in watching Brooklyn coming up. Uh, I don't know if Kyrie's going to be playing, but I kind of hope he sits for like one or two games so I can see what the Harden-KD chemistry is like, and then mm. we add in Kyrie and see if that messes with anything because it it very much well could. I I was actually thinking that earlier. That's a great point. It would be It would be really cool to see just James Harden and KD for a little bit um, like see how good that is. Like maybe try to compare it to the KD Kyrie games, even though that's kind of tough because it's been such a small yeah. sample size. But either way, yeah, that's that's a great point. All right, Vasu, this is one of probably the most iconic trios now in NBA history, and they haven't even played a game yet. So mm-hmm. I wanted to compare them to an NBA trio that you we've seen in the past but also maybe one in pop culture let's start with the nba one Vasu, what's yours i think i think the nba one this is uh almost too easy i think for me but oh, it kind of has to be the it's probably the, mine then <laughs> okay well I, I don't know what yours is yet but i'll, I'll just say steph clay and, oh, and kd okay that's actually not mine but that is a 
fairly good comparison. So the reasoning for mine is, oh, oh, I, okay, I have a guess, like, at what yours is. Like, I kind of didn't think about them too much. But the reason I say this one is, uh, it's just so, so much star power. Like, there's Mm -hmm. never been a big three with, you know, two top, at the time, Steph was a top five guy. So two top five, and KD was too, so two top five guys, and then, you know, Another top 15 at the time, probably maybe top 20 guy, something like that. Really? You could say two like, top three guys. Like, I don't think that's crazy to say. Yeah, like Steph and KD at the time. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, so two top three guys even. And then, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try to debate that now. <laughs> okay. But, okay, so so maybe, yeah. I'll, let's just say five just for my sake, okay? Okay, okay. Um. So two top five guys and then Clay just insane star power we're like the thing the question people are asking is like the same question they're asking now except like there's only one ball to go around how's it going to work like how's everybody going to get their touches like people were saying that it seems kind of stupid to say in hindsight Mm -hmm. because the Warriors were just such a well-oiled machine on offense and that first year like we said already KD just fit in seamlessly but that was a real question now it's a real question and it has a lot more weight on it than it did that time around because of their um, very uniquely ISO heavy play styles that we have with these guys. All right, that's that's solid. The one the one hole I'd poke is that with that trio they had other guys. They had Andre Iguodala, they had Sean Livingston, and most importantly, mm-hmm. they had Draymond Green coming off of his best year when he won Defensive Player of the Year. So I do that's think they're there's a bit of a difference but those three it's it is an interesting comparison because you could you could very well compare and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit the 2021 nets to the 2017 or 2018 warriors my trio Mm -hmm. is the 2011 miami heat which is what i thought you'd come up with Uh, that that's what i thought you thought okay (laughs) okay Okay. um and it's really because i think the three roles fit well it's not that they'll work as well as that team worked because those three guys worked so well together but you got Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant who's the big dog that's LeBron James that's your guy that you know is the best player you know is elite and then you got his Robin his the Batman to his Robin and Dwayne Wade which is James Harden and Kyrie Mm -hmm. great player put up great numbers but was never able to like lead a team particularly far in the playoffs Chris Bosh. So Bosch. I think that trio is fairly comparable. You got that Batman Robin, and then you got that other third sidekick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that actually transitions really well, so I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I think that's a great comparison. Um, so there's this meme that I saw circulating around, and uh, it was basically saying... Well, the idea behind it was basically that LeBron, uh, sorry, Kyrie left Cleveland because he didn't want to be Robin to LeBron's Batman, and now he's he's the Alfred to KD's Batman okay. and, and James Harden's Robin. Go okay. Ahead. I I have some problems with this. As a big <laughs> Alfred guy, uh, a self-pronounced big Alfred guy, um, Alfred never stirred up any issues. I, (laughs) that is my big problem. I understand the thing where it's like you have those two and then you kind of have the side, side, sidekick. But Mm -hmm. Alfred was always a stand up guy and he stood up for Bruce Banner time and time again. That is the one thing I want to put Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. Oh my God. Banner's Hulk. (laughs) I'm going to cut that. Uh, But I'm mixing up my Marvel and DC right now. But yeah. I think a better comparison would be, like, an Iron Man to, like, Happy. Like, <laughs> Happy Hogan. Like, I feel like that would be yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, and also, like, Alfred's a very likable character. And Kyrie, at least from my point of view, is a very hateable character. So there's also that for me. I'm so sorry, um, Batman fans. That is That is unforgivable <laughs> by me. And I will take full blame for it. Yeah. Bannerman, come on. 
You should apologize to the Hulk fans, too. I, I really should. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, I yeah. love you. You're a great Bruce Banner, big MCU yeah. guy, but that's that's a flaw that I have forever, <laughs> forever enshrined on me. All right, Visu, pop yeah. culture trio that you want to compare this to, what do you got? Okay, so mine doesn't, I guess, pop culture, you wouldn't call this pop culture, but do you remember... How about your mother when Ted Do I remember is how comparing? I Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Bad question, bad question. But when Ted was comparing himself, Marshall and Lily, and like he was like, oh, like you can't break the. Is this the, the salt, pepper, and like cumin? Yeah, sort of yeah. So my my comparison is salt, pepper, and cumin. Oh Katie is salt. James Harden is pepper, and Kyrie is Cuban, man. He's e- irrelevant to the situation. Oh my He's God, clearly... KD is A, James Harden is B, and Kyrie is C. You know what? It might even be It might even be this. It might even be this. KD might be 1A, James Harden might be 1B, and Kyrie might be C. Not 1C, just C. Oh, my C. God. C for, you know what? C stands for Cuman. Cuman. <laughs> It does. <laughs> Works pretty well, huh? That that's a good one. Um wow. I, I thought maybe you'd pull out of how I met your mother when I didn't think the salt, pepper, and cumin yeah. would come up. Yeah, I I was thinking this and the episode that this happened in was the episode where Ted um I think it, it's the one where he makes team baby. Yeah. When it's a baby he one. finds out yeah, it's that episode, right? So I, I could have said Ted and Team Baby, but I decided nah, to go for Cuban. That's much better. Yeah. Uh, if you know you know yeah, yeah. Um, okay mine I got two of them so my initial one was for Back to the Future Marty McFly Doc Brown and Einstein oh Kyrie's Einstein <laughs> yeah, okay. Kyrie's Einstein and uh, I guess KD's Marty and Harden's Doc I don't, that, that was my biggest problem I don't know who's who okay. in that situation my next one, this one I think you'll you'll really like. I don't think anyone okay. else will like. <laughs> okay. Kevin Durant is Rocky. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. James Harden's Adrian. James Harden's Adrian. <laughs> that's funny, but okay. And Kyrie Irving is Polly. Oh, that's so good. That's that's perfect. That's perfect. That, okay. Because he's. Because he's part of the team. The problem with all of ours, or our other ones, was that the third guy was not dislikable. Mm-hmm. Polly is actively yeah. dislikable. That's that's the winner. That's the winner. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. I'm, I'm glad you like yeah. that. Um, uh, t- to be fair, though, it's it's mostly because of the Polly thing because, I mean, well, unless you could you could try to justify it. Like, why is James Harden Adrian? Like, that doesn't make... Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I was thinking maybe yeah. Creed, I can make him. Apollo Creed. But then... Yeah, Apollo Creed. That's not maybe. a trio. Like, Rocky, mm-hmm. Creed, and Polly. So... Right, right. Yeah, no, it, th- this one works the best, especially for Kyrie. Though, I'm thinking like Rocky 3 Adrian and Rocky 3 Polly. So I think that works. Yes. Yeah, that that works very well. Yeah. Uh, this, and Rocky, Rocky, anything Rocky is always good. Yeah. So. Uh, Vasu, I, I want to go back to the topic we were talking about earlier, and that was the Nets mm-hmm. versus the Warriors. So I saw this on Instagram. It was basically comparing those two teams. And I want to get your take. 2021 Nets versus 2018 Warriors. Who are you taking? Yeah, I think... Like, I got to be honest, I think this is actually kind of an obvious answer. So, like, maybe I'm just completely mistaken on this, but I think it's, like, definitely the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And we already talked about the reasons for the most part a lot. Uh, It's it's the chemistry, the on-court chemistry, and maybe even the off-court chemistry, but especially on-court. Like, that offense was a free-flowing offense, balls moving, um... But yet somehow they managed to sprinkle in the ISOs when you needed them or when, when you know, the, the alpha players, when they wanted them. Um, Steph and Clay, uh, sorry, Steph and, and KD got theirs. And Clay is already an off-the-ball player, so you don't really need to worry about mm-hmm. uh, involving him in the offense. Like, they're, he's going to get involved because off-ball players of his caliber 
I shouldn't say players, honestly, because there's only one. It's him. But somebody of that caliber well, you at, could say like, like as an off-ball player. Like, that's probably the may, other one in his name. Right, right. right. Uh, Reggie yeah, Miller, like maybe. Celtics Ray Allen. Reggie Miller, maybe. Yeah, but, but the point is, like, there's not... Uh, there's not going to be a, a time in the game, really, when when you need to worry about Clay's ego in terms of how many times he's touching a ball, or not even just ego. Like, are you getting the most out of Clay if he's not touching the ball? But that's not an issue because he is. But you go over to the Nets, and there's just so many questions. And keep in mind, this is my answer, like before watching them play. So, like, if I watch them play, and and you know they, like. They, they're they like LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh, like the comparison that you had where they all make the right sacrifices and stuff, then I then maybe they, they'll be better. But it seems right now, knowing their play styles, that there's going to be way too much, uh, uh, well, a lack of, of ball sharing going on, which is going to hurt them against this, like against that Warriors team. And they can't guard those Warriors. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to guard these Warriors. This is, like, quite obvious, I think. But those Warriors will be able to, to guard, like, uh, sorry, they will be able to guard these Nets, like, as good as anybody can. Like, KD cancels KD, right? So you don't really need to worry about that so much. And then you got Clay, who's elite, like, cream of the crop on defense, and mm-hmm. then Harden and Kyrie on, on the other side. I, I just don't even think it's, it's that close. So um, I, I do agree with you that the Warriors, I, I would take them. Um, but I want to isolate some of the arguments that people could have, and that is um, one of them is like, what if you remove KD from the equation? So you say they, the KDs cancel each other out, and it's mm-hmm. Steph and Clay versus James and Kyrie. And with that, someone would, might argue, those are guys that can get you a bucket when you need it. And if, if you just need one possession, you go to them and you get a mm. bucket. So my argument against that would be, we saw what Steph and Clay have done in the past. We, we, yeah. We've seen it. They've won 60, 70 uh, games. Right. I think th- that argument, I, I, the second the second you, you said cancel KD, what happens, I, I was like, maybe even more so the, the Warriors, mm-hmm. because we saw, we saw this. This was the 73-win team. Granted, like to be fair, it was not just Steph and Clay, but I, yeah. I'm assuming we're still talking about you take KD out, and then you. St- I mean, you still have to have five guys on the court. So yeah, but you wouldn't assuming have like a those other type player. Okay, okay. So just this duo. That's and still then, a, 50, like, a high fifty win team, low sixty win team, probably. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, but I think their play styles just fit so much mm-hmm. uh, better together that over the course of a season, they will be the more potent. Like. Like look, like we we saw pretty much what this offense offense was. It was just unselfishness to the core and two players that fed off of that unselfishness better than any other superstars can. Because it's not even like like think about it this way. Even if say James Harden wakes up tomorrow, like Katie's not on the team. So we in this alternate hypothetical universe, he wakes up and he's like, Okay, I am gonna be Steph level unselfish. Okay. Awesome. That that's that mm-hmm. does make them marginally better, but then Kyrie's not Clay though. Yeah. Like it just it doesn't work as as well even if they both choose to be as unselfish. Like you're not going to get as potent of of a three-point attack out of um out of Kyrie and and James Harden as you are from Stephen Clay and then that just we know what happens from there. We've seen the offense multiple times, several iterations of mm-hmm. of Stephen Clay. Yeah, I mean the Steph Harden debate's been going on for years now um and it's kind of if you go beyond basketball to football it's kind of like the tom brady aaron Rodgers argument where you have one guy that can just carry a team in aaron Rodgers, who has consistently Mm -hmm. done that throughout his career carried these bad teams to the playoffs and tom brady has made good teams great consistently he's gotten them to super bowls and he's won super bowls he won six of them for a reason so i think it's sort of that argument where what what do you want? Do you want to be led by one player and have that player just put everyone on their back and lead you to 50-plus wins no matter the situation? Or do you want a guy that can turn a 55-win team into a title-winning team? And that's ultimately the question. The other Back to my original sentiment, the, the other argument would be if you include KD, 
how do the trios play together? And I still think it goes Steph and Clay because, as you've you've said already, Steph and Clay play great off ball. They complement KD's skills very well, and James Harden and Kyrie don't. Let's. I, I think yeah, I don't think there's too much to add. Yeah. Um, the other very, very, very interesting aspect in this trade is Victor Oladipo, because Oladipo is playing really well mm-hmm. to start the season off, but it was clear that there was some friction going on between him and the Pacers organization. And it looked mm-hmm. like they were probably going to move on from him at the end of the season. So they traded him, they get Karis LeVert and it looks like he doesn't really want to play in Houston. And Houston's probably going to trade him because Houston's, I mean, if they keep him, they're like a borderline playoff team. And if they trade him, maybe they can get some assets in the future. I know Miami's come up a lot. So I wanted to go over what Miami could potentially ring to the equation Miami for like Old Depot yeah so so I was actually not aware that the Rockets were is that is that well known that they're looking to move on from Old Depot the Rockets pretty soon too? I don't think have said it but Old Depot said he doesn't want to play in Houston oh he has okay that's actually news to me okay um if if Miami is a potential trade destination I think that fits pretty well because even from it, it, it's kind of the thing we've already been talking about but he's he's not a player I'm worried about that's going to demand too much of the ball and as long as as long as you try really hard on both ends of the floor I think you can do well and, and of course if you're a talented player I think you can succeed in Miami I think that's the culture they've built it's like Oladipo can do a lot of things for you. Like, he can play really good def- defense. He can play make. He can shoot, and then he can get in the paint. That Kind of all phases of the game, he's pretty good at. I think that fits Miami, like, perfectly because you're, like, the rock will be shared with you if you mm-hmm. can contribute and you try really hard. So Yeah, I actually – see, I think Miami wouldn't be a bad fit for him. I just think there's better mm-hmm. teams out there that would fit his play style and – I've always thought this about Victor Oladipo. Really, okay, by always, I mean the last few years, ever since his injury. The Denver Nuggets would be a great fit for him because they need oh. defense. They really need defense. Yeah. He's going to cut off yeah. ball. You can also give him some on-ball responsibility. And oh, yeah. the great thing about Oladipo is he's so athletic that those backdoor cuts are going to be there with Jokic, and he's going to be able to finish. Oh my God, that's that's an amazing fit. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing fit. The, who do the Nuggets trade? You think that's what's the a, problem? What's a, because you're not trading Michael Porter Jr. and you can't Gary Harris and a pick is probably not enough. So maybe you throw in another pick. What if you throw Gary Harris, Bulbul, and a pick? Like I was talking about Bulbul yeah. as somebody that might have some value earlier. Bulbul so maybe recent, now recently started. In a game. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't do much. But, um, okay. (laughs) I I don't know if Bulbul is really an asset yet, if I'm being honest. Okay. Like, I I feel like he's just a second round pick at this point because he hasn't shown much aside from those, like, preseason bubble games. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be interesting if the Nuggets could, if the Nuggets could pull off that deal somehow, though, definitely. What about Millsap? Do you trade Millsap? You could, but Houston Houston wouldn't want Millsap. Millsap would basically just be a contract fill yeah. at that point. And why would you yeah, trade okay. Millsap then? Yeah, no, then you use wouldn't him want for to trade Millsap. He's like $10 million on the books. Yeah. I actually kind of think Miami as a trade partner, though, works pretty well. I, I went through the numbers, and Oladipo's is $20 million, $21 million. And mm-hmm. a potential package I have for Oladipo would be Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek, which is $21 million. Mm-hmm. If you want, you can throw in Kendrick Nunn. And then two first-rounders and a pick swap. The problem is, I don't know if Miami even gets that far. I think they offer like maybe those two guys and one first-rounder and a, maybe a protected, another protected first-rounder. But I, I don't, especially since all of Depot's contracts expiring, I don't see them going fully in i so that it's really interesting so i didn't like when i was talking about this earlier i didn't think about it contractually too much but 
thinking about it that way now, I wonder where Miami stands in terms of is this their championship window? Like they made the finals last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that front off like? Basically, what does Pat Riley think? Does he think that that's something he can replicate, or that's something that he can replicate uh, in you know years to come, a couple of years down the road? Can they still be this sort of a team? Was it you know a Cinderella run that's kind of just a one time thing? So what does he think about that? And uh, does he think Butler's window, Butler's prime, is his like championship time? So like if like. Because if they're willing to throw in a lot of assets, that would indicate that, like, we're trying to win a championship, like, this year, next year, like, the in these few years that we have Butler and Oladipo, and obviously they're young guys. So that's really interesting. I, I didn't think about it that way. I would think if you're the Heat, though, you've got to be thinking, like, okay, we made the finals last year. Uh, we're off to a kind of a shaky start. Maybe we could use, uh, trade trade some of our, you know, far-off future down the line off, get Oladipo and try to compete again. Yeah, so, and I was going through um, Miami's uh, contractual breakdown, and I was looking at it with, I, I had five guys that I basically removed from the equation. Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic. Those five guys, they're not trading. Those five guys are in an Oladipo package. I would be shocked if they traded any one of those, especially... I'd say Hero, Butler, and Adebayo. Uh, what about, I could see Drogic. I, I could like, see I that. I could see that. But I, yeah. I'd still be kind of surprised because Drogic, like, he fits well with his team, and I think you could get the deal done with other pieces. The thing is it would have to be mm-hmm. centered around picks. And, like, Olenek and Leonard are basically contracts to fill contracts. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I think you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up at least one unprotected pick and one protected pick. That's the minimum. And they might even say throw in a pick swap, too. That might get it done. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Miami should do that trade, though, because I think they have enough right now. It's just about, like, can Tyler Hero play better? Can Duncan Robinson play better? Can Goran Dragic play like he played in the playoffs? Because... Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know how much Victor Oladipo really adds to this team because he's like he's the sixth guy in that pairing. I mean, granted, he's probably better than here on Robinson, and you mm-hmm. could argue Dragic, but all those guys are in the same ballpark as Oladipo is right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It'll be interesting. So I, I like we'll see where he lands because I was thinking actually like maybe Houston like could try to compete for a playoff spot with with Oladipo and and see where it goes like they do have a lot of guys that have a lot of things to prove I haven't watched the Rockets too much I heard John Wall's been decent he's been Um, he's been okay he's been solid yeah okay I haven't heard that about Boogie though he hasn't been great has he yeah did you see that ejection the I yeah I saw a little bit of the clip on Instagram it seemed like it was kind of bogus honestly but I mean, but, it is definitely yeah, I, past I mean, history with him and also it yeah. being LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Definitely some of that. Uh, but, but yeah, like, Boogie's got to know at this, like, what his reputation is, and he's got to be able to control that side of him. But I, I think I watched a little a little bit of him today um, against the Spurs, and it seemed like he was just gassed. Like, the announcer made the point, and uh, ever since he said it, I started looking out for it, and it, it just... He was slow getting down the court. Uh, maybe that, like, that's probably something he can improve throughout the season. We'll see. But, but interesting situation the Rockets are in here. Pretty much rebuild mode, though. I th- I would think. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about the Rockets, and we'll wrap it up sort of here. Um, the Rocket trade talk, but they got some nice pieces. They got Christian Wood. John Wall's been playing better, but I mean, Wood seems like the main guy. Then they got those picks. Uh. It looks like they're probably going to move on from guys like Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker in the near future. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense not not to not to do that. Trade them off to you know some contenders or some teams that are willing to take them. Yeah, so I feel like this team is going to basically become OKC. They're going to have one one really good player, mm-hmm. Christian Wood, because yeah. I mean he's been yeah. phenomenal to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then it's just rebuild mode from there and. 
this might be like a maybe sort of a mini rebuild on the fly because they they don't seem to have any top picks coming their way I mean other than this year but it might mm-hmm. be like a two or three year rebuild and maybe we can start competing and also while those picks are coming in we can rebuild on the fly exactly uh Vasu, let's close it out with uh giving some teams and players props uh for what we've seen recently i'll let you start it off uh, yeah i'm excited to give this guy props because he's uh definitely one of my favorite players in the league luka Doncic has turned it around since the last time we did this podcast uh he was shooting i remember it was nine percent from three we checked it was nine percent last time we did this pod and that was uh, a little more than a week ago, last Saturday, right? Yeah, um, I think we got him. Was it 9% or was it like, it was 9% at one point in the year. I don't know if that um, that podcast it was. But anyways, yeah, the point still stands. Uh, right, and now now he's at 27, so like, you know, it's much, much better now. I think you said that uh, the last four games he's been 37% mm-hmm. on nine attempts. Uh, his averages right now, like they're they all trended up as well since last time. He's at twenty five points a game, eight point six rebounds, seven point three assists, all approaching, getting closer to his. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa my bad, my bad. Way better than that, actually. Twenty seven point four points a game. Yeah. Goodness, wow! I I didn't realize they're he was that the high already. They're basically the same as last year, honestly. At this, point. they're basically the same as last year. Yeah. Okay, so no need to reiterate that. So shout out Luca, shout out the Mavericks. They got Kristaps back. He looked kind of sharp based on the highlights that I saw. So I, I wouldn't want to say too much mm-hmm. just based on highlights. But yeah, shout out to Luca and the Mavs. Uh, this one I know kind of uh, goes hand in hand with your next one. So I'll just bring it up. Charlotte Hornets, got to give props to them because they've been a lot better than I thought. And part of it's Gordon Hayward. Like, my guy, Gordon Hayward, has basically looked like 2017 Gordon Hayward. Uh, I'll let you talk about the player you want to talk about, but also Terry Rozier in that mix. Terry Rozier has been phenomenal this year. Uh, His shooting has been incredible. He's doing a great job scoring around the rim, and they're playing good basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical on whether this can stand because I, I love Gordon Hayward, but I don't think he's ever going to get back to that 2017 form. I'm really hoping that he stays like this. Terry Rozier, though, ultimate question mark. But with all that said, Devontae Graham hasn't really played that well, and I assume he's going to play better. Yeah, I think um, I, I agreed with all the things you said. Gordon Hayward, have you? if you haven't seen much of the Hornets play this year, I, I'd like, like you should start watching him more. I actually think it's sustainable. I don't think he's doing anything like crazy that I don't think the he shooting can keep I'm doing. concerned about that's the only thing because that's he's shooting is, really efficiently. Is, like this is the Gordon we know though is it not like yeah, this is I mean but he's shooting 40, like maybe a little worse but I guess 41 percent like it's a little high but yeah I mean he he's probably going to be in like the 38 percentage range range which is still very good it's the volume that I'm wondering because uh he hasn't taken this volume since Utah Right, so we'll see. I think we're both in the same boat saying that we hope it stays like this for Gordon Hayward. guy I wanted to talk about on the Hornets a a little bit is LaMelo Ball. So Mm -hmm. we both, uh, anybody that's listened to this pod in the past knows that we aren't really or haven't been in the past the biggest fans of LaMelo. We're LaMelo haters. The complaints... Yeah, we were exactly LaMelo haters. Like, dude, it's the same complaints that always, I think, bother people like me and you, like doesn't mm-hmm. play defense, uh, you know, thinks he's all that and, and uh, makes flashy plays so everybody, you know, everybody on Instagram is going to see him. He's going to get a lot of views, all that sort of stuff. Just um, th- like diva sort of superstar stuff that just bothers you. But I've been watching him play pretty frequently, um, partially because of, of Gordon, but the more I watched him, the more I wanted to watch him even more. And it's because... He's actually not that lazy on defense. So you saw him play out in Australia, and you yeah. said he was very lazy. 
look, I got to say, it it doesn't seem like that in the NBA, which is great. Like, that yeah. was the biggest thing for me. I was like, oh, my, like, forget anything on offense. Like, like, I was not even as worried about that in terms of liking him. Like, evaluating him as a player, that's different. But in terms of liking him, like, that all kind of changed a little bit for me when I was like, oh, wow, like, he's trying on defense. So that's number one in my book. And then after that also, like, his playmaking – is is pretty obvious. He's he's actually a pretty natural scorer too. Like his shot needs work, a lot of work, but but like he's he seems very fluid with the ball. Like doesn't like he's got a lot of confidence. He's got a pretty tight handle. Um, is a great playmaker. Rebounds actually. This is the thing that yeah, also was interesting. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, he's he's like gets into position, like chases the ball, pursues the ball. These aren't like. Uh, I like it doesn't even strike me as rebounds that you know kind of just the ball comes to you or other people are boxing out and you do the easy part. Like they're good rebounds, so all around impressed with Lamelo and I think I like him. I can't believe I'm saying that, but wow. overall I think I might be a Lamelo Ball fan. Like I want to see him do well when I play or wh- when I watch. Okay, um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It's also important that i say he's been a lot better than i expected he was going to be i thought he was going to be shooting like 30 32 percent from the floor and it's still not great he's shooting 40 percent from the field and like 33 i want to say percent from three so it's still below league average but i mean i I think the thing i'm most impressed with is his passing like he yes he was a great passer and you should have known that he was going to be a great passer coming into the league but he's not turning the ball over at a rate that I expected. I mean, when I watched him, he was very reckless with the ball. It was more than uh, bad passes. It was also just being reckless handling the ball. And he's been great so far. And, I mean, you can tell by the numbers. He's only averaging two turnovers a game. He's averaging around six assists per game. Three to one ratio. That's excellent. If he can sustain that, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start to kind of buy in. I'm not quite there yet, though, because shooting – is still a major issue with him. It's been better than I expected, but I think we we look at the highlights that pop up on Instagram. We see, like today, he hit a super long three, but we're not going to yeah. watch the times he comes up and he bricks or barely hits rim on a three. It, it's it's a process, but I am uh, I'm encouraged with what I've seen from Lamelo. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't have much much to add to that. Uh, last guy I want to give props to, C.J. McCollum. No one's really mm. talking about C.J. McCollum. I've watched Portland a decent amount this year, and, oh, man, I mean, just the shooting numbers alone. He's averaging 28 points per game, and he's shooting oh. 11 and a half threes a game, but he's making 43% of them. He's, he, he's, he's leading them in scoring right now, right? Uh, I think so. I don't I, think Dame's above 28. Check. Um, I'll check real quick. Well, we both do. Uh, yeah, barely. He's about a point higher than Dame. But wow. he's, been, he's been great. And it's not just he's chucking or, as you like to say, hucking the ball. He's taking good mm-hmm. shots and he's making them. I saw a stat where it's like there are only two players in the league that have taken 11 threes per game. It's C.J. McCollum and Steph Curry, and C.J.'s shooting like 7% better from three than Steph Curry. So props to C.J. McCollum. Wow. He's been phenomenal this year. Wow. I'm, I, I haven't really looked at C.J.'s numbers this year um, so far, but wow, are they impressive. Field goal percentage is 47. Three-point percentage is 43. Yeah. Did you already say that? Yeah. Okay, 11.5. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. He's scorching right now. He's insane. So I, I knew the 28, but but I didn't realize he was scorching from three. And also, looking at his career numbers, this is kind of striking. So this is his three, four, five, six, seven. This is his eighth year in the league, I think. Yeah, eighth year in the league. Mm-hmm. And the most he's ever averaged was 23 in 16, 17. He's been around the same. Last year he was 22.2. So he's been around there like the 20 to 22 range for most of his career, starting from his third year all the way up to last year. And all of a sudden he's making tw- like shoot- shooting insane, ha- has 28 points a game. So do you think this lasts? Is this sustainable? Did Do you think maybe they're just feeding him more this year? Like what do you, what do you think this is? You said you've been watching them too. Uh, 
I kind of feel like this is going to be similar to, I think, DeMar DeRozan in 2016-17 when he mm-hmm. averaged 16-17 or 17-18, one of those years when he averaged like 27 a game on the Raptors. And oh, yeah, he, I remember he that started year. out of the gate averaging like 35 or 33 points per game. He was on fire to start the year. And then it sort of mm-hmm. went down, but he maintained it for the most part. I, I feel like he's going to settle in at 25, 26 points per game. It's going to be a career year for him. But they're relying on him a lot more than I expected. And hopefully he stays healthy mm-hmm. because I know in the past, like, he's been relatively healthy, but he's had that one injury, especially early in his career, where he missed some time. He's been healthy lately, and I think if he can maintain it throughout the year, this could be his best year in the league, which is great for a Portland team that looks very good right now. Yeah, it looks real good. It, this is kind of interesting. So you were right. It, it was 16-17 that DeRozan just was, like, going off 27.3 points a game. Uh, I think I think he was, like, top, like, 10 and maybe even top 5 in scoring that year. But but this is interesting because it was also his eighth year in the league. I, I, I don't know if that's a trend. I don't think that is. Never heard it about anything like that. But, but yeah, eighth year. We're starting Maybe there's something to it. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually curious if if there are, uh, if there are players that have like just one season where their scoring average is way higher. Like, at what point in their career does it usually come at? Because this is kind of like it's past that, like first like five year stage of your career where you expect the player to get like significantly better over that stretch. Like, I kind of figured this is we we've seen what McCollum is. We know what we're getting. Eighth year he comes out. 28 a game. The Rosen eighth year came out 27 a game. So I wonder if that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going to look into this more because, oh, darn. So I was looking to see if it applied to Steph Curry because I'm like, mm-hmm. this seems like around the time in Steph Curry's career where he oh, went off true. seventh year. <laughs> hey, but I mean, okay, so it, it sucks that it, we didn't keep up with the eighth year trend, but that's actually interesting because – that's also, like, I mean, around the same point in, in somebody's career, like, seventh year, eighth year, like, after that, the, the stage where you kind yeah. of expect the improvement, you you would think that the player has settled in into who they're going to be. Maybe actually Kawhi's even like that. I mean, the easiest answer to this whole thing is that your seventh, eighth year in the league is when you're usually, like, 28, and that's around your peak yeah. athleticism, peak performance. Mm-hmm. So that's probably just when you're going to be the best. That's the easiest answer. But it is interesting that maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's like you've kind of evolved as a player while you're in the NBA and you've been in the NBA long enough, but you're also young enough. So I got I to gotta yeah. dig a little interesting. more. The eighth-year theory, yeah. I like it, though. I think we're gonna. that's going to be a podcast staple that we might use in the future. Okay, okay. I mean, uh, like while while we're at it, Kawhi's, uh, not quite, not quite, not quite. In his eighth year, he did have a career high in scoring at 26.6 a game. That was uh, the Toronto season, but his last season in San Antonio, he had already put up 25.5, so he was kind of already there. Yeah. Um, but, okay, whatever. Close-ish, ish. That's close. It's something we'll monitor yeah. from now on. Vasu. Right. Uh, any last thoughts before we head out? Uh, I am, I'm excited. Like I said, there's a lot of exciting things going on in the NBA. Uh, I can't, again, I can't believe I'm saying it, but LaMelo Ball is one of these things mm-hmm. that I am excited to see. Um, I, I, there's still some teams that I haven't gotten to watch uh, too much of. The Sixers are one of them, and they've been pretty hot to start the season. Mm-hmm. They're 9-4, and four, good for the two-seed right now. I haven't watched the Magic, who were 6-5, and five, for the five seed too much. So there's still a lot of teams that are playing exciting basketball. I've heard that I haven't seen yet. And a lot of teams I've been watching that are also exciting. So all around great stuff going on in the league. Yeah. uh, My last thoughts, just good luck, Bradley Beal. It's not looking good in Washington (laughs) right now. That's that's one of the bad teams that I've actually watched. And uh, the Westbrook edition does not look good. I mean, it didn't look good when he got traded, yeah. but it doesn't look good now. We'll see if Bradley Beal It, it looks worse. In, in my opinion, it looks much worse than I thought it would be. Like, I thought, yeah. like, they, you know, 
I thought they would win some games, hover around 500. They're three and eight right now. Terrible, terrible start. Yeah, and part of the thing was that trade was, it was, it wasn't a good deal, but it wasn't necessarily a bad deal at the time because you gave up John mm-hmm. Wall. But right. it kind of looks like a bad deal right now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. We'll see if they can turn it around. Yeah. All right, um, for Vasu Rao and Nithin Reddy, this has been the 16th Man Podcast. Check us out wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. We'll probably be back, um, what, Monday around then? Monday maybe? Yeah, something like that. And then Vasu is going to fly back to Champaign, and we'll be doing them in person. So we'll try to be more regular with them when he comes back and keeps that one-a-week schedule. Thank you for listening. Until next time.